Welcome to The Ledger Show. Hi, everybody. This is your host, Christian. And today we have Idris. Idris, welcome to The Ledger Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Christian. My pleasure. So, all right. So you're working at Vice, right? And it's a data visualization company. And something that I was like, the, the idea behind having you here is that you spend there a lot of time for a startup, like you spend there like three years. You get a lot of things changed in the startups <laughs> in three years. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's called, it's called Vizlib. V-I-Z-L-I-B, which essentially is V-I-Z from visualization and then L-I-B from library. So you combine that together, you have Vizlib. Just to give you a background on, on Vizlib, Vizlib is a data visualization company. The, in the BI2 market, the, the major ones are ClickSense, Pablo, Luca, Google Analytics, etc. So for you to use Vizlib, you need to be a ClickSense customer. ClickSense is one of the biggest ones. Our software just, it just gives you, it's a value-added software and it just gives you more, I, I want to call it sexy way of looking at your data in a way. It's, it's really cool. I mean, you can play around with different kinds of features and extensions on it. it it's amazing. Um, and then that's one part of the product. And we recently launched another product called Astratal. That's more of a standalone product. The only thing is you need to have your data on, on Snowflake. Snowflake, for people that don't know much about data warehouse, is basically a data warehouse, which means if you have your, a lot of companies will keep their own data, which means they will have a, a data storage within the company or, or maybe they'll use other companies and others will have their data stored somewhere else, by i.e. For example, Snowflake. So Snowflake is a data warehouse in a, in a layman's time. It just means you're paying someone to keep your data for you. And, and it's just more cost efficient and it's a bit cheaper. So for you to use this new product called Astrato, you need to have your data in Snowflake and is it, you don't require any code whatsoever. So yeah, so that's what Vizlib does. Yes, it was, I think, I think I joined around June, maybe, yeah, June, 2019 or so, at which point there were about 25 of us, maybe 20, 25, I think. Yeah. And we had, we had, we work offices in, in, in Paddington then, and I remember meeting our CEO who happened to be from Germany, by the way, <laughs> so, and Martin. So, uh, yeah. And I, I, before that, I was actually working for a, a practice, but within that practice, we had lots of, uh, tech companies from startup to scale up companies. So I more or less have an idea of what I'm supposed to see when I move into a, a startup company. Why did I join? I just wanted to be able, because when you have like 40, 50 types of clients within my team, we were looking after that many. And there were about four of us within the team, but essentially I have to oversee the financial operations services that we offer to those clients at that point. So I wanted somewhere where I could go in and add value somewhere where I would just be able to focus on one specific one, that just company, and then I can add value at that level. So yeah, so I joined and we, I met Martin and we, we talked very, very openly, like in a very direct, your I don't like stereotype, but you could call it stereotypical German, very direct, tells you exactly what it was looking for, what it liked, what it didn't like. 
And, and yeah, and then I spoke to him once and then actually one of the ladies that now report to me, she was also part of the interview. And then I haven't, I didn't hear from him for about a week or so. As you know, most CEOs are quite busy, right? So I messaged them to say, yo, listen, I really like this role. I believe, I mean, actually when I joined, I gave him a PowerPoint presentation in terms of what I expected to see internally in terms of our infrastructure or the you know, the, the bread and butter as, you know, as your traditional accounts and looking at P&L, but ours is a bit further than that because you look at the whole setup from banking to purchases to invoices, et cetera. And so I gave him that presentation and kind of, I, I didn't know, I, I think he asked me a couple of questions and, and we bounced off ideas from there. And then he asked me some technical questions around software as a service metrics. So for people that don't know what SaaS mean, SaaS as SaaS is basically it basically means software as a service. So a good example for you might be Netflix, which means you pay, you use the services, and then you pay monthly. But ours is more B two B, i business to business, instead of B two C, i.e. business to customer. Anyway, so yeah, fast forward a week, and then I messaged them and said, "Listen, I, I really like the role. I think I can add value, and I like to you know bring some skills on board. Also, obviously, improve myself as a person, as a professional." So I, yeah, and then, and then he got back to me saying he's been busy, et cetera, and they would like to meet, and this is no joke. I, don't, I, I'm, don't do this at home. I, I didn't even <laughs> read my employment contract, for real. I just like, oh yeah, good, sign, move on. And then I went there. Yeah, and that's how the journey started. So that's how you started. Like, how did you spend your first, your first year? The first week. No, the first three months. For the first three months. Oh my God. I think when I, because at that point they didn't really have anyone in finance. So I was the first. Yeah, okay. that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Just pressure going around. Yeah. <laughs> so, because during that time I was actually interviewing other places. So when I, I just like, okay, I'll leave all the places. I just focus on this one. So when I got the role, I have a, that was an expectation in my head in terms of why I should say. And I got, I went in and for the first couple of days, I looked around, I not looked around as a physiologically look around the, the office or anything. No, more like the, the current infrastructure. What those are, the, the accounting software looks like. Do we have any invoicing system that can help us to, you know, break our invoices down to basically match the traditional, what not traditional more. The technical way of recognizing revenue as a SaaS business. What does our cash collection look like? And are, are we doing in terms of cash collection? I remember he said to me, the first win, the first, first win that he wanted me to do is cash collection. And I didn't quite get it at that point. I was like, cash collection? Really? Like, I know, you know, I mean, it's not like we didn't have money in the bank, but why cash collection? I, I didn't quite get it. But then when I got in, for the first, Probably after about a week, I was thinking, have I made the right, have I made the right decision? <laughs> because it was just, because he was, I mean, they, they didn't quite know what was, what to expect, right? And because they've never had anything. And this is one of the beauty of joining a, that type of company at that age. You, it's not for everybody. I can tell you that much. It, it's, you have to be ready to literally get your hands dirty. I looked around and. I was like, shall I just leave now <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of how much work that I need to do? But for me, it was, it was a challenge. I, I found it quite fascinating. I was like, okay, good. And also one thing that 
as a motivation then was like, whatever I started doing from that point onwards, and whatever the company achieved from then, I would have contributed massively to the achievement of those goals and objectives of the company, right? Um, so yeah, I, I went in and I looked around, but oh my God. So, but they were using an external accountant to, to help them do the books and, you know, sort out the invoices and everything else. And I looked at it and I was like, what is going on? You just, for, for people that maybe are not accountants in a way, I, I mean, I'm a qualified accountant. So, and also I've been working with lots of companies, including a SaaS company. That's just something that you expect to see on the P&L. Most importantly, you don't expect a lumpy revenue. You know, one month is 100K, next month is 20K, the following month is 30K. Maybe in another industry, you expect something like that. You know, it's not linear. Well, actually, it is linear because as, you, as long as you keep growing, you should be seeing the line going that way. But you don't expect this. It'd be like a, like a, like a chart, you know, that just go this, this. Back child, like just absolutely. So I was like, "What is this?" But anyway, I spoke to the accountants, and of course, I've been spoken to. Them, I know straight away. I mean, without even speaking to them, just looking at the P and L, I just realized I don't think these guys know what they're doing. So my first decision was to, okay, we need to get rid of them. And credit to to our CEO, then to our CEO Martin, he was just like, "Do what you need to do." And for me, that, that was, for me, the way I read that was like, I trust you just get on with what needs to be done in a way, because I didn't have anyone to hand over to say, oh yeah, this is what we've been doing. This is the handover. So I had to get rid of those accountants straight away. That was within, within a month, actually. It was more just making sure that I understand their service level agreements then so that, you know, I'm not, we're not going to incur any fine as a result of that. So I got rid of them, brought another person in. And when they came in, they then have about three years worth of bank transactions to reconcile. And, and at this point, after about a month, actually, actually after two months, Martin was already asking me, oh, you know, when are we going to get P&L? Or <laughs> when are we going to get management? Report? I was like, Is, what? <laughs> and so I just said to the, those news guys, uh, of course, he met, he met the, their part, one of their partners. Then they were like, okay, we knew what you need to do. So I, I basically sat down with them and then we created a P, created a P&L and then they started doing the reconciliations every now and then I would just check with Martin because he would, he would have recognized some of those transactions. What do we need to do there? What was this one for? And, you know, I was well, book a time with him every week to, to go through that. And then from that is then going through what you will see things like maybe month end in terms of the folder structure, because we, we need, we need evidence. I mean, part of working within finances, making sure every, you can account for every single transaction that go through your book, right? Even more so if you're a tech, if you're a tech company that is just doing something new, because the way my mentality is that I need to keep a record. I need to keep a structure that. Whenever someone wants to come in, be auditors, be potential investors, be due diligence and whatever else, they need to be able to look at what we've done. Even when I'm not there, they can go through it and they will understand it so that when someone else joins the team, it's easy for them to follow the audit trail. They can look at what's been done, what needs to be done without me being there 100%, if that makes sense. 
or just make it easy for people to be able to follow the trail of what you're doing. So that's why I added the, the folder structure. And from that folder structure, you then move into, okay, in terms of text that I, what do we need? Because gone are the days where everything still needs to be done with paper, et cetera. Credit to the to 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 Martin then. He was he's always been very big in automation. I we're a tech company. Why should we still be dealing with papers and everything else? So I started looking at different software that can help us to automate where we can. Because don't forget there are two of us in finance then and the other lady at that point, she was helping with sales operations. So I just came in and I needed to do doing that. I think after two or three months, we have our first management report, even though it was a bit all over the place in terms of structure, but you have something rough and ready where you can at least give them to. At that point, we also needed to do our year end, do our VAT, do all of that. It was all a bit too much, and but it, it was fine in the end. It was fine. But things have changed quite drastically since then. But those early days, the, the funny thing is when I, when I think about it now, I like like what i can't even it's easy to look back now and like oh my god like what i i yeah it was it was it was crazy really really was because the, the juggling with staff are fighting yeah it's just the dynamic the dynamic the dynamism of the industry itself you know the industry is very dynamic when you go into a to a startup company, you don't have someone that'll tell you, you don't have a written rule. You don't have a piece of paper that'll tell you, oh, if this happened, then you need to do this. So that basically means I probably have had, I've held every role from marketing, not as a title, but in terms of actually what I need to do or what we need to do from HR to marketing to sales. Yeah, I've been on sales calls. I've had to speak to some of our customers about, oh, why do we need Certain invoice, certain way. Le I mean, legal reading through, reading through legal papers of uh, okay, it's a contract agreement that we need to be able. To, I mean, we do have a, we do have a third party legal providers that help us, but it's not like you can knock on that door or just pick up the phone. And say, oh, I need help now. You've got to be able to just say, okay, we need to do this now. What do we do? Or be the office manager, the one that pick up the phone. And say, oh, hi, this is business. You know, we need to do a delivery or clean the office. It's just whatever was available that needed to be done to get the job done. You just, yeah, you have to be ready for it. Yeah, it's kind, it's kind of fascinating, like the like leaving and, and growing together with the startups. Like there are so many things you're going to learn, but also, yeah, you need to be ready to do the job because there, there's like, like you said, there's no one you, you can ask and ask you. Yeah. And, and how does it look like right now? Oh God, things have, things have changed quite drastically. If you think about it, as a startup, you don't even know what the product will be like. The thing is, before I joined Bislib, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pre-money company, i.e. where they just had investments, but they haven't, the, the product is, the product was just a, con there is no product per se, that is, it's just a concept. We had, we had products that we've already started selling. We are already lo loving our product and we've already started paying for the products then. So it was completely different from a lot of startups I would see these days, whereby they will have, they will have really high valuation before they, before they even raised their first invoice. But yeah, so then we, we, since then we've moved offices one to maybe four times. 
No? Yeah. We've moved offices four times since then. We've also grown from 20, 25 people to now about, I think, under than 70. Yes. We've also then now in finance team, there are about eight of us. Yeah. So we, we are, we are going through that scaling process now. A lot, a lot has changed because now within finance team, we now, we, we divided into three or four, give or take. We have revenue operations. We have like a BI and then we have that revenue operations also kind of cover sales operations in a way because they look after the renewals, activation of the deal, and how do we collect our invoices, etc. And then you have the accounting or reporting, so to speak, that looks after our month end. There's two people there, our finance manager and our account assistants. All of these happened this year, by the way, because when, for the first year, it was still myself and, and the sales operations lady, Dara, who, who worked with me then. And... It was last, early, no, so May, June last year, where we have our finance manager that he joined us. Look, it's been, it's been phenomenal. Again, he came in and I, I was able to spend some time with him. It actually coincided with the time where we were changing accountants, because that's another thing. It just gets to a point where you overgrown your service provider. You need to be, you need to be above the curve there. We, I probably lingered a bit. To look, because it was just, it wasn't part of the priority. Just have a lot of, everything seems to be a priority then. You're like, oh yeah, we need to do this. And then you do this and then we need to do this. But when he, when he came in, it, it coincided with the time where we were changing from one accountancy firm to the other, because we've just outgrown them in terms of what we needed from them. We needed them to be more, much more proactive to tell us, okay, is that something that we should be doing? Is that something that we should be getting ready for? from EMI to maybe our first audit or to, or to maybe we need to improve our infrastructure and automate a bit when we can, maybe a secretarial work, et cetera. So he came in at that point. So he's been, he's been, he's been very, very helpful to us. And also so accounting and, and tax are outsourced. So you have a service provider for that. Well, then we was, now we brought everything in, which means we're now in control of our month end. I think it, it's phenomenal now. Now we closing by day five, you will take, which is, which is pretty awesome, which is pretty awesome because when you, when you outsource, you're, you're just one of the clients, right? And as much as they try to make sure they get the books ready in time, you're, you're looking at historical information. So the quicker you can have that, the better, because that historical information is, is history, isn't it? It's already gone. Strategically, you want to be looking at what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. But for you to do that, you need to be able to look at your actuals and say, okay, how did we do last month? What are the expectations for this month and, and three months? And, and then you look at the quarter and then you look at six months and then you look at 12 months, etc. cetera. Uh, so, but then we decided, I think we did, I think we decided around sort of September, October, because they were also running our space, the accounting firm that we're with, they were, they, they didn't think that the accounting services was adding value or making much profit to them. So they then Do you think it's critical for a startup? Pardon? Do you think it's critical for a startup to bring accounting and taxes inside? Oh, yes, absolutely. Maybe the accounting bit, the tax aspect of it, which our tax strategy, they still manage that because we are a group and we need to do so in terms of managing the group tax strategy. That's my bread and butter. Well, 
I mean, we still use them externally, but we bounce ideas back off each other way about, okay, we need to do this. What can you, you know, what do we need to be aware of? And it'll take, it'll take us through the tax risk. And then I just make sure we implement that correctly. So I think that tax bit, you still, we, we don't have any tax expert, so to speak. Internally now, we use we use an external company called Kukupari. They're very, very reliable. You know, it's, I think the, the head of taxes is, is one of my friends called, called James. And we just, yeah, we, we know each other before, before even when I started with visiting. So yeah, our tax is still with them, but the tax is not something you do month on month, right? It's just when certain things happen or when certain event crystallizes. Let's say you want to set up my, which is employer, employee management incentive, whereby employees have shares within the company and you need to register that with HMRC, et cetera, or where you have entities in the US and UK and you want to manage how, you know, how the IPs are transferred between those entities, et cetera. I think that's still very important to, to have that backbone because at some point you're going to have to go through funding process. You're going to have to be audited. So I think it's, it's good, but to, it's very, very important. You, as soon as you count, bring your month in back in those, because then you are responsible for it. What we make sure now is that our account assistance reconcile all our bank accounts, especially the UK ones and the US ones weekly, actually maybe those daily, I don't know, but. Then is we then in control of where we close our books, which means by day four, day five, if everyone wants to do what they need to do. So I think that's the, that's definitely very important. It adds value, so much value. Okay. So I see a couple of topics here. So you mentioned cash collection at the beginning. Is that still a thing? Because I, I see that you still work. I mean, you work mainly with enterprise customers. Uh, yeah, we work with B2B customers and a lot of them are multinational companies, right? And, and for them, obviously, cash is king for everybody, uh, especially more, even more important for us because we've been bootstrapping. And for layman in layman's now what that means is we've never really gone through maybe series A, B, C, D, et cetera. What we've been making within the business is what we'll reinvest in the business, right? And that is almost unheard of to be at the level of growth or AR, ARR, annual recurring revenue that we are now. And still haven't gone through what you see as series A or proper series B, et cetera, is, is incredible. So now we make part of our KPI within the team is our cash collection, whether that's, we, we started off with 45, I think now we've 50% and then 55%. The, the team is doing a wonderful job to keep that at a really high level. I believe we, this year we've been eating 65, 70% collection It's almost unheard of. Well, if you get the basics right, if you have the right infrastructure and the right type of people within the team, I believe that's possible. Also, you, you know that the growth that the company has been experiencing, you're playing as a team, we are playing a significant part in, in that growth, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's still part of our kit. Yeah. I guess you need to have a really strong, like strong work collaboration with sales. Because usually what you have is, okay, sales, they're going to sell, then they have quotes, they're going to close the quote, and then you need to create invoice. Were you able to automate this process or? The, it's the base that we're, we've been able to automate is the, is the, is the, the chase in a way which you use a system called chase IHQ. It might be getting to the end of its life now as we grow, as we scale. And what that does is you, you set up an email notification. It's up to you if you want to do it once a week or twice a week. I believe we started with 
twice a week, first on Monday and then on Tuesday. So you will just flash an email to whoever you are start your your invoices, uh, the unpaid invoices are AR account receivables, and then we'll get a reply from them. Once we get a reply and that communication has already started within the team, then we turn off the notification because it's just unprofessional when you've already established a relationship yet you're still chasing them on the, on the automatic email. So we do that. But in terms of our sales, it's a, it's a bit different because with SaaS company, you have the new, you have the new, new tickets, i.e. the new sales, and then you have your renewals, and then you have the, the, the expansions, et cetera, where, or upsell, where, because we charge by users. So maybe someone has hundred users or a thousand users at the moment. They then want to have add extra 50 or extra hundred or extra 250 or something to that. Sometimes you could plan for that, but at times it's, I mean, most of the time it's up to the sales team to reach out to anyone who's already using a specific number of products and they need to add users, or they might, it might be a cross sale where we have five major products now, but it's possible for you to have two or two or three products, but you don't have the other. And then the sales team will go to them and say, okay, do you like this? Oh, you know, would you be interested via a demo and everything else? So we they'll just make sure as soon as the deal is closed, we do the activation and then we go through the process of onboarding where we'll, we'll invoice or maybe we need a PO or maybe we need a, a quotation or agreement that needs to be signed. We just make sure we send them an invoice ASAP. And one of the most important process of that is making sure that you invoice from the day where the customers start using the product. Because if there's a time lag, and we've gone through this, by the way, Every, most companies will have a time where things just won't perfect. But once you find out, you just then need to sort of find solution to that. Whereby a it's possible that a customer would have been using the product for one month, but due to some sort of logistical issues, whereby they just in the PO and we couldn't raise an invoice, they would then have used the product for a month and they still don't have invoice. And because of their system, some of them use a really old system where you can't, they need the invoice to be from the point, from the present point, not backdated, for example. So as from, our, from our perspective, that's one month worth of revenue that you've already lost. And you, how do you account for that? It's a, it's a revenue loss. So we just make sure that we close that gap quite quickly and we make sure we invoice them straight away. So we work really well with our sales team and they, they love, they are love good guys. So I guess your business doesn't fit perfectly in, in a classical subscription. Like, I mean, you cannot leverage a Stripe because, or any oh, system. we do use Stripe because we still have direct, direct sales or inbound and outbound sales team, right? However, with our product, you can still go online. And this is more relevant to the smaller number of license users which is like a B2C or maybe B2B, but in a lot, in a lot, much lower units, if that makes sense. So you can buy a product from, from the website or you need to log into the website. This is all DIY, i.e. do it yourself kind of process where you yeah. just go in, you log in, you download the product, you go through the, the license agreement, and then you say, okay, I need 10 users. And then you go through that process, you register your, your bank card or credit card and the third party collection is Stripe. So we, we don't see that deal. So 
no one really needs to touch that process unless something didn't work or maybe maybe an authentication fail. For example, we had this, we had that issue this morning where I had to work with our dev team, develop our R and D team, I the, the developers to make to find out what is it, why was certain payments are still bouncing or they're not coming across, etc. So yes, we use Stripe. So Stripe help us to just Stripe is just one of the best provider of that. I mean there are lots of other providers in the market, but Sometimes if it doesn't break, you don't need to fix it in a way. Yeah, not fix it until it breaks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned, okay, so you have a sales service component that it goes through Stripe. Then for the sales part, it's more manual because you have bigger customers. So it depends on basically the cycle of the customers, what kind of buying process they have. Yeah, absolutely. So we have our team that will still reach out every now and then to, to, to do our outbound, you know, the process of usual sales where you're trying to convince customers. But I think if you have a really good product, sometimes word of mouth just also helps where someone already using our product and then they tell in other people or when we have a road show or when we have like, for example, we just had Big Data London which is just a spot where you have lots of other tech businesses come together and you can go to different booths and speak to customers or maybe your existing customers already there, or you can even look at your competitors. Okay. What are the competitors doing? What does that new product look like? And you just gather ideas and everything else. You mentioned that you close your books by day five. How do you do that? I'm not going to take credit for this, but <laughs> I would say our, our finance manager, our accounts assistant, are doing a fantastic job, but that just based on the standards that we've set ourselves. First is to make sure, depending on how many bank accounts you have, obviously, is to get yourself an account assistant, even if it's not an account assistant that maybe you can't afford one yet. If you outsource it, that's a lot of practice out there who are more than happy to give you a dedicated account assistant. We just spend once a week, they make sure your accounts are reconciled because it's just, if you think about it, a lot of the transactions or all the transactions that goes into your PL or whatever books you use comes from your bank accounts, right? As long as those bank accounts are reconciled daily or weekly by minus day, minus day one, i.e. maybe before the last day of the month, you already know. By the end of the month, you only have maybe a few transactions left, right? To reconcile and payroll, you do that before the month end anyway, because people get paid last working day of the month. So you can already just do your payroll journal the, the same day uh, or maybe a day after that. So already you already save, you save yourself maybe two or three days to, to make sure you get those bit read, ready. And then if you have a, if you have a cost center, like we do, we have Germany, you, we have Germany, Sweden, and Poland. You make sure that locally everyone understand what the expectations are. I mean, of course, there's still way, there's still things that we need to improve on, but that's why you have repayments and accruals, adjustments, et cetera. If we know that last month, maybe the invoice from one of our cost centers was a million pounds, just hypothetically. That shouldn't really change much. Even if it's going to change, you just make sure you accrue for it. And then once you receive the invoice, you can then, you then, you can then reverse your accrual and add the invoices, et cetera. And these are just basic accounts and stuff. But you're, if you have a finance manager and account assistant, they can easily work on this and understand the, the process quite quickly. And then that's a revenue recognition, i.e. The, the reconciliation of 
Okay, because we'll use SAS Opti, which is like a, a <laughs> I, I missed this bit. When I first started, I was doing our SAS revenue recognition on Excel. It was not, it was a nightmare because imagine you have about maybe 200, 300 invoices and all those customers start on a different date. You then need to break those down by day and then do it month by month. And, and that's very, very manual, right? So, which is how we ended up with Sapsopti. And Sapsopti was the best that we could get in the market. But maybe that's been more now. And actually they just, they've just had a merger with the, uh, with ChargeB or Chargeify or something. It's now called Maxio, but anyway. So what that does is basically you raise your inbox on there and then you set up the system correctly so that it recognizes your revenue from the day when you raise the, from the invoice date, and then it breaks it down. You can then do the same with your MRR and everything else. Imagine if you have to do this on Excel, it's a nightmare. It's okay to start with, you know, to do Excel to start with, but as you scale, even, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't recommend to using Excel for that. So there, so then we, we have a revenue recognition and a reconciliation process that those shouldn't take a day because we know in terms of sales report, I still do that sales report just because I more or less know what's happening and think that's also changed historically what we, what we, what we report right now, we report our ARR, the growth month on month, year on year, we do our net retention revenue. We do what does the expansion looks like? What's the impact of FX? All the, you know, all the usual SaaS metrics that you see. And then, so yeah, once all of that is done, you physically do this. If ever, if everything is correctly set up and you manage people's expectation and you set out the standards to say, okay, we have a very, very high standard, not just within the team, within the company as a whole, that everyone needs to bring their A game to close by days four, days five, that's, that's, that, yeah, that's the standard that we hold ourselves to. But I think once or twice, especially when we first brought the, the month ending in internally, it, it took us a bit of a time to just adjust a bit. But once you adjust, then it shouldn't really change much, to be honest. As you scale, you just be, the, the, the number of units of transaction will be increasing, you'll be getting bigger. But if you have the right system in place and you automate correctly, is possible. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Because you mentioned like something like continuous ratio. Is this is that something that you do manually, or you have us? Is your accounting software helping with this? Or sorry, say that again. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you have like you, you like to have continuous reconciliation for your bank accounts. Mm. Something that you can do pretty much every day, and that that will help you with with the closing. Like, yeah. do you have? Is your accounting software helping you with this? Or right now you have your team like every day reconciling the bank accounts? Yeah. So we have the, the accounting software just help because if you set up as an, a, a lot of the accounting software these days, they will have an API with bank accounts, i.e. they will have a direct integration with the bank accounts where you don't need to, I'll be very surprised if there's any other accounting software out there that you still need to download the bank CSV file and then upload it to the accounting software. I'll be very surprised. But anyway, so yeah, so we use a QuickBooks and there's a live feed and all the bank accounts. And yes, the account assistants need, still need to go on there and recon and like manually reconcile them. But the point is, if you're doing your reconciliation daily, you shouldn't really have hundreds and hundreds of reconciliation daily. It, it should be maybe, I don't know, depending on the size of the business, obviously it, it depends on 
what type of business it is. If they have high value, low units or high units, low value, then it, it's a different approach then. So maybe my strategy, if I work for that type of company would be a bit different. But if we're talking 30, 40 transactions a day, you can do that within, within an hour or so. Because we use QuickBooks. But I think on Xero, I've been using Xero previously during my practice days. You could, there's an AI within it that would just sort of think, it, you know, you can set it up with rules, which where basically it, it will reconcile the same transactions as it's done in the last, you know, previously, which is basically artificial intelligence that says, okay, I recognize the name of this supplier and I recognize the inputs and then it will automatically reconcile it for you. You don't need to go on it. All you need to do is tick, 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 tick. Oh, okay. Is that yes? Is that no? which means the manual input is, is very minimal. But for now, we still, you, yeah, we still need someone to go in and reconcile. But that's probably about, what, half an hour, 45 minutes a day. Even if it's an hour a day, that's, well, give or take five hours a week. It saves you almost a day at the end of the month or maybe two days because that's all you need. As long as you have that. And our finance manager already set up the consolidation file or we need a CV from other entities, you drop it in, more or less know what you need to do. Then just review your PL by GL and then make sure you can explain the variance between that. Okay. So like, okay, I, I guess it makes sense. Like 30 minutes every day to, to close your book in five days at the end of the month. I think that that's a good deal. Absolutely. I think it's worth it. Yes. Is there any part of, you know, think things you're currently struggling around now or takes, takes you to, you know, trying to fix them or automate more in, the, in your finance department? Oh, right now, I, I believe our, we use a system called PyBribe. I, I don't know if it, I mean, possibly our listeners will recognize them. And it just gets to a point where it just, you've used it. And as you, as you scale, you, you need to start thinking, okay, maybe it's time to to move away from this. But of course it doesn't, we know, we, we're almost at that stage because now we can see, especially around renewals where, okay, someone we have, because a lot of our customers, they just have 12 months deals. Some of them will have three years, but very rare where they have more than, more than three years. So you more or less know what it is, but then you, you need to uplift some of it by certain percentage due to increasing inflation, inflation linked increase, et cetera, where you then need to uplift that. That's become an issue for us. So we are going through a process now of identifying maybe we need a, a much medium size or larger ERP. And, and as you know, to migrate from that kind of sort of CR, ERM, ERP system to something better, itself is a project. So one of the things I've been doing now is speaking to a pipe drive third party who could possibly help us optimize the system. It might work that way, or it might just be, you know what, we need to buy the bullet right now and then just try to move into something else. So that's, that's a bit of a pain. And then also our cash flow forecast, a lot of our, I mean, our, most people now, I mean, within my, my professional network anyway, they all use Excel and. Excel is just add much more features, much more, it's, it's more hands-on compared to having the software. However, we believe that that's a software out, out there that can help us. We've spoken to two or three 
now. And in fact, before I joined you today, we spoke to, uh, we spoke to another provider and it's looking positive, but it's still very fiddly because you need to, the implementation takes you about three months to implement it. And you don't just implement a cash flow software forecast and say, okay, that's it. You know, that's it, everybody. You still need to invest time in it. First of all, to understand the system, how does it recognize certain inputs? Because we have data from all over the place from at least five or, five or six different sources of data. And a lot of finance team, regardless of the, the business, will tell you it's, it's the same issue. In fact, we could be using Visley product to do this, but a lot of data that we use, some of them are confidential. So you need to be clever understanding, okay, do you use your internal tools? Can you get developer internally to come and help you with it? But you don't need to anonymize some of the transactions, which it just doubles the effort a bit. So I think that's the bit that we would like to do. And also with our, with our AP, I've, I mean, for the last four or five years that I spent within tech, I'm still to find an AP system that automates your payment, you know, whereby it just either, it has a direct link with your accounting software and you can just look at the list of your sort of, of your invoices that are outstanding. And you can click, okay, pay, 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 pay. And then it just fires onto your bank account, withdraws the money, and then it pays, it pays the, and then it settles the invoice for you. It still hasn't happened yet. And I haven't spoken to quite a few. It feels as though the issue is with a, with an API integration with banks, or maybe some sort of legal ramifications, but it's quite weird that even though we are, have lots of advanced technology. That's still not a provider in the market that could do that. I don't know. Maybe that's an idea for another stance. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought, like, I thought that QuickBooks could settle payments? Mm, they will say it, but no, it's not. Because okay. you still need to manually go on it. You still, you can't make a payment on QuickBooks. Not that I know. But now that you mention it, I'm, I'm thinking, is that? But I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to speak to my team after this call, actually. Just to say, have we looked into this? But not that I'm aware of. Because if you, even if it's possible, don't forget, it would just be a, a small feature on QuickBooks, right? It's not the main, it's not their bread and butter. It's not, you know, that's not part of their core competencies or, um, or even their competitive advantage. So it's very likely that if it does exist, it's not going to give you the full shebang of what you need. It would just be, okay, you can see all your invoices, but you still need to manually go to your bank account and, and make the payment. So cash flow, having a, a good tool that maybe can supplement or help, help you with, with your spreadsheets. And the other one is AP, right? Yes. These are the main mix you're struggling with. Right yeah. And then there's the, and then that's the ERP aspects of ERP. it. Yeah. I know a lot of companies usually when, when they're at, at your stage, they look at a metric or that's the most common one, actually. Yeah, that's that's true. It's possible we might look at that too. I think by I mean Q four is going to start next week or in two weeks' time. By that point, I'm supposed to have gone start looking at the a list of possible ERP system that that might be able to help us. So we'll see. But NetSuite is I've had some feedback on NetSuite and and the implementation of it, etc. Yeah, because if you think about it, there is no system that would do hundred percent of what you need. 
you just have to pick and choose and say, okay, I have 10 main issues that I want, 10 main pain points that I'd like to fix. However, out of this 10, which system can offer, you'll be lucky if you get one that can offer you six or seven. You still need to kind of compensate for three that the system cannot help you with. So it's just a matter of looking at them. Then you have to think about cost benefit analysis and do the business case where you could, where you need to then make a decision to say, okay, which one is going to, because you don't, you can't, as you know, you can't keep migrating system every three years or four years or so. It takes a long time to, it, it's a Pretty project. Investment so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have a few friends that they started like ERP implementation projects. They know when they started, they don't know when they're going to finish. <laughs> That's usually the problem. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Also, the, the lesson that I've, I've learned by whilst migrating ERP, you know, in my previous life is don't use the, don't use the provider themselves always use a third party because the provider very likely, they know the system, but what the system does, the architecture, you know, the, the, the strong and weaknesses of it, they do not know enough of it than the third party. And the third party very, very likely, the third party consultant, very likely they will help you a bit more than, you know, than what you will get from, from the provider, from the software providers themselves. Yeah, it was pretty insightful. It's time to wrap up, Chris. And usually the, the way in which I, I, I wrap up is I ask you like a few few quick questions. Are you ready for, for that? Okay, this side of your, the, the ones that I have not prepared for. Go on, let's do it. <laughs> okay, what is the best piece of advice that you ever received? Oh, there are quite a few. Okay. There are quite a few. So I'm just going to choose two. I'm very lucky to have a couple of mentors who are extremely so, so generous with their time. And I would say, get yourself a mentor and a coach. Then don't do the same thing. If you're lucky, you'll find someone who just happy to give you that time for free. And you obviously need to respect their time and your time. But coach and mentor don't do the same. You might need to invest in it because it's an investment for personal development. But yeah, I would say get yourself a mentor and a coach. That's one thing. The second one is if you want to do anything or you want to learn anything or do anything, the easiest and the best way is just to do it. It doesn't matter how much book you read. It doesn't matter how so, so, so I'm giving advice and telling you this, 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 until you go through the process yourself and and come out of the other side and just the, the experience, it's, it, it's incredible. And the experience, whatever that experience is that you've gained, it can never be taken away from you. you that is with you for the rest of your life. I have one, one like, it's like a, like a question that I, I wanted to ask you right now because of the things that you said, like, how do you find coaches and mentors? Because I think it's, it's key, but like, where do you find that function? Sorry, how do I find them useful? How do I find them? No, no, no. Where do you actually find them? Like, would, like, did you use a platform or just friends of friends <laughs> or friends? Okay. So the, for the, for the mentor, I was listening to this podcast. I can't remember. I think it's called CFO, CFO podcast. It's a, that's called, that's a few of them. 
because for me, my ambition is to become a CFO. I don't know if that's in the next three years or five years. It will happen. It's just a matter of time, right? And for me to be that person, I need to first start to be that person, but then start speaking to people that's already, that are already there, that they've been there and done it. Okay. And one of them is actually a listed CFO. He's, he's worked for a lot of listed companies and he's still working for one or two. And then the other one is a, a startup CFO or startup scale of CFO, because they, I can tell you now, they're completely two different people. And the way they think about things is completely different because that it's different challenges if you're a listed company and it's completely different challenges if you're a startup and a, and a scale of company. I found them, I just, I just took initiative. I listened to them on the podcast and I just, and then he talked about five, Oh, five, I can tell you now actually. Then, yeah, oh yes, I have my notes here. And then, yeah, I listened to it. And then what really attracted me to him, he talked about five C's of leadership. And he talked about context, commitment, clarity, connection, and compassion. So I listened to him and he was talking specifically around SaaS companies and how, how do you manage them and all of this stuff. And I, I would love to stay to this guy. So I messaged him on, on LinkedIn and said, listen, I listen to your podcast and you talk about this, 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 and I would really, really appreciate it. If you can just give me some, I don't know how long this is for. I don't even know if you're going to reply this or not. If you can give me your time and just at least listen to me and get what I, you know, what I was trying to achieve in my life, maybe you could be of help. Patrick replied and he's like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I was like, Oh my God. Now I've been speaking to him now for about maybe about nine months or 10 months or so. So we just booked some time in monthly and we do that. And the other guy, Prakash, I actually, you know, before there used to be this, this thing on LinkedIn, it was a feature where you can ask for men. You could say you're looking for a mentor. I think they stopped it now, unfortunately. So they then try to match your user AI to match your profile with someone else within your study. So I've somehow found him. By that point, we were both working around the, the, the tech of London, I shortage, Old Street area. And, and I messaged him on LinkedIn. And then he said, oh, yeah, let's meet because we want fast. So we met for coffee. And then we spoke. And it was, again, my type of people, very, very direct, no messing about, because he would tell me if I was being a, a spoiled brat or something, or if I was overreacting about something, or if I just... If, if I just need to look at things different. So yeah, and then we had about two years where we didn't speak because I was just going through a process of changing jobs, a lot of, yeah, a lot of things changing. I was also studying, finishing my master's and everything else. So I then messaged him again, I think a year into my role at Vizlib. Uh, so now we meet again once a, once a month, or if we need to change things, I try, I mean, of course I had to be flexible and to, to whatever they have going on, but yeah, that's how I find mine, but that's also words of mouth. And also if you have a, that's a lot of professional Slack channels or, or, or no, now I have, I'm part of two or three of them. A lot of these people, obviously everyone is busy. They're even busier. I mean, being a CFO is not, it's, it's not a scratch, right? Just reach out, ask people about it. Coaching, that's a completely different thing because they look around your lifestyle and they, they look at your values. What is it that you're trying to get out of life? For me, part of my thing is getting the balance right between my work and, and my family time without losing value. 
and being able to focus and honesty, integrity, etc. And also para changing my paradigm, how I look at things. You know, when people say balance, work-life balance, it doesn't exist when you think about it. I will log off at work at 6 p.m. And I can tell you, maybe for the next two or three hours, I'm still thinking about things that I didn't do or things that I should have done. And then on a Saturday, of course, I spent time with my family, et cetera, but I then need to make a note of what's in my head. What do I need to write that? But why am I thinking about these things? Why, why is it that all of this is coming to my head? Yeah, so that's, that's how I found my, my mentor. But the coaching is more, I had to speak to someone and they introduced me to them and it's, it's a time and money investment for coaching, really. That was really, really cool. Like, I mean, I really appreciate that. First of all, the fact that you decide to take initiative, like this is on me, I need to find people that could help me. And yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. Like I'm also looking for a coach and a mentor. So I'm going to take your advice. I'm just going to send a message to someone. And, and yeah, see yeah. Or you, you might even, maybe you already have a couple of people that you look at them, you're like, oh, I would like to do what they're doing or what they've done, etc. I think someone told me, oh, if you, if, if you've never asked, the answer will always be no. Like if you don't ask, then, then you say no, right? Just ask. And then somewhere, somehow someone will say yes. I also know that some mentors that want to pay, get paid for the time. Why not? If, if you feel like, okay, you can afford it and then you can find someone. Also, that's a personality match, right? Because you need to know what you're expecting from them and you need to then take them back because it's their time and it's your time. It doesn't matter if you're paying for it. You've got to take that relationship very, very seriously because people will lose. Yeah. I mean, you lose respect. People will also lose interest quite quickly when they feel like, well, I'm giving this guy my time or this woman or my time. And, it, you know, and it doesn't matter if that person is man or woman. I don't really care for me. It, 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 yeah, they just, bring, when I speak to them, I just want to shut up and listen because I come to them with, oh yeah, this is going on. What do you think? And they will just introduce completely different sets of perspective. And I'll be there just like, I then I forget to take notes because I want to take notes so I could go back and read the notes and say, oh yeah, crap. And this, this is what we talked about. Because every time, sometimes it's a continuous of what, what you've talked about last time and you need to proceed with that. Or it's just something new completely. Oh, we're going through this and I've never gone through it before. What do I do? How do I approach it? Okay, next question. What's, what's your main passion outside the work? Fitness is a big thing for me. Okay. Of course, family is family, right? I mean, everyone is passionate about their family. But for me, I like to keep fit. Yeah, I, my alarm goes over about 5.30, so I can go to the gym really early before I, before I come to work. Sometimes I go, I go to do yoga. I started doing yoga about six, seven years ago. But that's just because I was always worried that because I use... I, put my body through so much with rowing and gym, et cetera. Maybe I wasn't doing something right and I need to improve my flexibility. That's how I go into, into yoga. So yeah, I'd love to think I'm sporty, usual traveling. I love traveling and I do cook quite a lot. So, you know, it's just, yeah, what goes in comes out, right? I mean, what you <laughs> eat, yeah, what yeah. you eat determines everything. So if you if you lack energy, if you don't have enough energy, you can't keep relying on coffee. Coffee isn't going to solve the problem. You have to first think, okay, what is it that is, you know, what am I putting into my body? Because for me, I always believe that, I always believe that 
your body can't give you what you haven't given your body. And it's your responsibility to look after it. Like literally, if you look after your body, your body will look after you. Like that's, that's just the way it is. I can count how many times I've taken time off work in the last four years. I'm not saying that, you know, that of course there's some luck to it, but you've got to try and make your own luck basically. So yeah, I listen to music, travel. I, yeah, I love traveling. And I also loved, I do some work for a charity. Um, also, I just started a treasury role as a trustee within a, a charity called PKD. They, they are on, on LinkedIn. So yeah, and I try to give as much back, as much as I can. It, it, it seems you try to keep yourself very busy. Yeah, I think for me, I... It's not just busy for the, for the sake of being busy. It's more thinking how much can I get out of myself without running myself to ground, obviously. And also what can I give back to the, to the environment, to the, to the society that made me. And I think if we all consciously try to look after each other, I think you, we hopefully can make the world better in one way or the other. And I think that's, that's very, very important. It doesn't matter. I mean. Instead of giving money to charity, I'd rather give my time because I think my time is more valuable than money in a way. And also that means I can sort of dictate what I like to give and what I don't like to give in a way. I still raise, I still raise money for one or another charity called Crisis, which is like an homeless charity in, in the UK. A, a lot of the time in, during the, during Christmas holidays, you, they will open different shelters across London. And you can volunteer there during Christmas time. And so I like to do that, but that's, again, that's obviously my time. And whilst I'm doing that, I'll open a page, Virgin giving page, and then people can donate and everything else. That's also very nice. I mean, there are so many questions now that I felt you asked, but <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's follow the plot. Is there anything in particular that you're learning right now? Okay. So I've just finished doing my, my scroll master course. It's called PSM one. So I've just finished that because finance, financial transformation is something that I really, really, really like. I mean, everything that we've been talking about around system migration, these are all part of financial transformation, by the way. But what agile methodology helps you to do is to be able to manage them in a way where you have different teams, i.e. the dev team, and you're basically the one that you're, you're in the middle of all of it. And you are trying to bring different parties together to make sure everyone's I stakeholder to then make sure that all of them can get what they that, that, like what they need really so yeah so i've just I, i've just finished that now and uh just did, did my psm i got i think i got 90 percent, and the 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 limit of what you have to get is 80 percent or 70 percent or something congratulations so yeah, so I was quite proud of myself. Yeah, so I've just finished that, but I believe that's still more for me to learn about 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 Scrum, about Scrum itself as a methodology. And then hopefully I can start spending more time around that system migration, financial transformation part of my work in a way. Yeah, that that's also quite cool. Like I had the finance learning about like concept that yeah, directly coming from, I don't know, IT, from software development. It, it's awesome. Actually, I, I didn't realize this until FD, I was telling him about this and he thinks 
And I was saying maybe, because our, fi our, fi our finance manager reported to me, and I was saying, oh, maybe you should try this. And IoT just reminded me that, okay, Idris, you're just more product kind of, you, you love getting into the product, the tech part of the business and understanding what's happening there. Not everyone liked that. And I need, for me, that was a self-awareness in terms of thinking, actually, yeah, that's true. But for me, I was like, if I'm working with the product, I need to be able to talk about the product. I need to understand what is it that these products do? What, you know, what is it? What, how, how, you know, how can I learn about the product? So some of the products that we have, I can probably tell you about all of them. But in terms of usability, maybe not use all of them, but I use some of them now, especially around our, our SaaS metrics reporting. And for me, I just find it fascinating. Technically, I mean, IT or technology, I love to, I'm not, I can't tell you that I'm a geek, but it's something that I'm passionate about and I learned to learn about. I mean, I, I guess it makes a lot of sense because you work for a tech company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Yes. But I know some people that work for tech companies and they don't necessarily, they're not that interested in it. For them, it's just something that they do, which is also fine. But for me, I, I genuinely like it. I want to know more. And what my best friend at work, his name is Piers, he's, so weekly we'll set up a time. We've been doing that now for the last three years, actually, where it would just tell me what features they're working on and how that's going. And then I'll ask about the new product. And then he will ask me from a finance perspective, what, what's going on with this? What do you do with this? And it's just that exchange of knowledge. And, and again, if you don't ask, you will always be, no, I just speak to these guys and say, oh, I like to learn about it. And again, a lot of developers, because some of them like to be on their own, and they don't feel as though you want to know anything about what they do. So when you ask them that, like, I'm actually interested in what you do, they're like, oh, really? And then they go on and on and on. And I find that quite fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know developers can, can, can talk for hours of all day. Yeah. But it's pretty nice that you're trying to bridge this gap between, okay, finances is not just bookkeepers, they're not just watchdog, they're not just running behind the books. And money, like they really want to know about the company, how the company is doing, the features, all these sort of things. Like it's, it's not like, yes, like enough to talk finance, like finance is at the core of the company and like it works together with all the other departments. You know, then one of the things that I like is I don't like being pigeonholed, like with that, oh, it's just an accountant, but I, I love to think I'm a lot much more than accountant. And when you work for a startup or scale up, you need to be much more than what your job title say. You need to be, that's just the way you can't pigeonhole yourself and say, okay, I only do this. Maybe when a company becomes, I mean, you have like 500 or a thousand headcount, it's easy for people to cruise and say, okay, I only just do this, but I don't do this part of it. For me, that's just not going to fly. I need to, I want to get involved in different things. I, I don't believe in a jack of all trade master of none. I think, yeah, of course I'm a qualified accountant, but I still, I know a lot of other things that I bring to the table, right? Be it legal, marketing, sales, product development, and all these areas that just kind of bring you together and make you you really. Idris, it was a great interview. I really appreciate all the things that we said. It was really great. I also learned a lot. So thank you for this. If people want to learn about uh, Bisleep, they can check the website, bisleep.com. Absolutely. If people want to get in touch with you, or maybe they want to ask you if you want to be their mentor or their coach, 
what's the best way to, to get in touch with you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. There's not very many Idris on LinkedIn. It spells <laughs> I-D-R-I-Z. Yeah, just find me on there. More than happy to, more than happy to connect and, and obviously expand my network and see how I, I can also learn from whoever it is. Because, yeah, in, in terms of ocean of knowledge in the world, we don't even know a drop of it. That's how much is still there to know. Like, if you think you know enough, you probably don't know anything. That's how I look at it. Well, no, it. it's been an absolute pressure, a pleasure, Christian. I really, really love that chat. And hopefully we could do it, I don't know, maybe another time or so. Yeah, for sure. I'm just going to put the your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so can, people can find you. Uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. Wishing you the best. Fabulous. Thank you so much. All the best.